Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to season four of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sunday, September 10th, the year of our Lord, 2023. In this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the word of God. Ladies, let's pray. Our God and our Father, we bow our heads and humble ourselves before your throne of mercy and of grace. As we begin our Bible study, we ask you to join us in the study of your word. Anoint my lips of clay so that your word goes forth in spirit and in truth. Hide me behind the shadow of your cross so that you only are seen and heard in this Bible study. Anoint us with strength and self-care today and always. Bless us with patience and wisdom. Encourage us to choose your way and to behave well. Lord, lift us up for your blessing today. Will you bind the powers of the spirit of darkness so that not one evil deed is met against this ministry or these, your people. Bless each person within the sound of my voice and be you glorified. In Jesus' name, I ask all of these things and give you thanks for answered prayer. Count it as done by faith and in accordance with your word. Amen. Ladies, women are a lot of things. We are beautiful, kind, loving, sexual, caring, erotic, and perfect. Until something happens and we lose our temper. When we lose our temper, we turn into sharp-tongued women. Some might say sharp-tongued crazy women. Sharp-tongued women are prone to belittle, condemn, or demean others. They are characterized as being mean, nasty, hypercritical, and bitter, and their speech becomes sarcastic, foul, cynical, or harsh. We all make mistakes, and the majority of our mistakes are verbal. The challenge before us is to learn to control our words and our tongue so that we use them effectively when dealing with others. Join me in a leap of faith of trusting God and his word to transform our bodies, our minds, our hearts, and our spirits as we take an exciting journey of self-care because self-care equals self-love. To that end, today's episode is titled Sharp-Tongued Women. Ladies, as followers of Christ, we are challenged to choose our words carefully and to use our words as Christ and the Father do. If we do anything less, we stumble and risk offending others. James chapter 3 verse 2 says, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in words, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. So great is the challenge for us to choose our words carefully, that if we can master our tongue, we master our entire bodies. Our bodies functions as they are instructed, and we instruct our bodies and minds through words, whether spoken or thought. In other words, the mind speaks and the body follows. So we lead ourselves as well as others, with our tongue 
and no other part of the entire human body is as effective in building and destroying human lives. By way of example, we have witnessed the tongues of powerful leaders stir nations to seemingly impossible feats and inspire personal sacrifice. Likewise, an individual's verbal expression of love or pain, even in the fewest and simplest words, have reduced rooms full of people to tears. Also among us, who among us who has not longed to hear a word from someone we deeply love and yet also experience great anger, frustration, irritation, or pain from words expressed by that same person? Conversely, who among us is not also responsible for words of love and kindness that encourage and build as well as for words that have shaken, hurt, or even devastated another. It is not ironic that we often direct these contrasting words of kindness and cruelty at the same individuals, a wife or husband, a child, a parent, a brother or sister, or a friend. There is a song titled, You Always Hurt the One You Love. And one sentence of the lyrics of this song says, you always hurt the one you love, the one you shouldn't hurt at all. Words can be the warmest of embraces or the hardest of slaps across the face. Although this seems a bit like bouncing between two extremes, the reality is that most of us spend our time somewhere in the middle. The best of us may even lean towards verbal kindness or gentleness. People who spend too much time spouting off nasty words are usually devoid of friends in a social life because no one really likes such a person. Ultimately, such a person ends up spending his or her time with someone equally as unpleasant. James devotes nearly the entire chapter of his epistle to the wildness of the tongue and the constant challenge of governing it with godly self-control. By examining James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, verse by verse, we can glean a great deal of wise teachings on the matter of controlling our tongue. James begins with a piece of general advice that leads to his main discussion on the use of the tongue. In the New King James Version of the Bible, verse 1 says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. In various situations of life, we both receive and give instruction, and God holds all of us accountable for what we have learned as well as how we instruct others. In the text, God is warning us that we need to examine ourselves closely and realize that he holds accountable those who would instruct or correct others, whether toward the brethren or our mates, our children, or our friends. Verse two says, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle the whole body. 
As noted earlier, we all make mistakes and probably the majority of our mistakes are verbal. The challenge before us is to learn to control our words and use them effectively in dealing with others. For followers of Christ, effective use of words, using them as Christ and the Father do, if we do anything less, we stumble and run the risk of offending others. Verses three and four says, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. James makes three comparisons that got my attention. First, the horse has historically been considered symbolic of strength, endurance, speed, gracefulness, agility, beauty, and loyalty. But this powerful animal can be rendered as docile as a puppy by placing a small bit in its mouth through which it learns to obey every command its master might give. Second, the wind drives and tosses giant ships on the sea as if they were toys. Wind, especially at sea, evokes a fierceness of war, raging into every crevice and overturning everything in its past. Calm it down, however, and it becomes as gentle, a gentle, cooling, refreshing breeze. Gentle wind can bring pleasing fragrances and invigorating fresh air. Words, like, just like the wind, can be unbelievable, can be unbelievable forces of destruction that leave nothing and no one standing in their path. But tamed, slowed down, and controlled, they can be refreshing, fragrant breezes across our faces. Third, runners manipulate the course of emiss ocean vessels with a slight movement of the pilot's hand. Since it is underwater and aft, the rudder of a ship does its work unseen. Passengers are ignorant of its movement most of the time. Yet when it is in proper working order, the rudder holds more power over the ship than the wind. The wind will blow, toss, even destroy the ship's rigging, but the rudder guides the ship exactly where it directs. John wants us to contemplate that as horses are controlled by bits in their mouth and ships by rudders below the stern, what tools might we use to control our sharp tongues, which can be as dynamic as a horse or as fierce as the wind. Learning to use that bit and rudder is our challenge. In verse five, James says, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The tongue is a little member but the size of this tongue is no measure of the power it wields. 
Just as the tiniest spark can ignite a great forest fire, the smallest of words unwisely spoken can cause immeasurable harm. James continues in verse six saying, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell, yikes. Uncontrolled and untamed without interference, a fire, can spread and leave nothing untouched, unscorched, and unaffected. Fire, all by itself, can erase all life from the earth. If fire burned and spread unaffected by rain, wind, or the efforts of man, it could conceivably cover the earth and burn all life and all oxygen from our world. In the text, James makes an analogy between an uncontrolled fire and an untamed tongue. Think about that. I have only seen on television news programming a raging forest fire, but people who live in communities ravaged by forest fires have seen firsthand flames leaping from one tree to another and they know all too well the traveling power of fire. James wants to capture this graphic vision of the potential destruction that our words or sharp tongue can cause that perpetuate in sin or iniquity can achieve. The iniquity created and perpetuated by words or a sharp tongue can spread to the ultimate of all damage, death. And Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, Solomon writes that, that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. In James chapter three, verses seven through eight, James concludes his description of the tongue by comparing it to the most ferocious beast, the most lethal aerial predator, the most deadly reptile, the most frightening sea creatures. And he concludes that none of them are a match for the savagery of a sharp tongue. Verses seven and eight says, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. If no man can tame the tongue, what hope do we have? Mothers once washed their children's mouths out with soap for using bad language or expressing verbal disrespect. Teachers in elementary school told students who were saying unkind things to zip it. When I was a little girl, my mother used to say, if you do not have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I knew to shut up. My mother was a strict disciplinarian. James's admonishment is not a soap and water application or a parental reprimand. His statements are blunt instruments. The tongue is as a vicious animal whose words are 
capable of causing destruction. And it is as a creature of such monstrous character that no man can tame it. James verses 9 through 10 brings us back to our discussion of extremes. The text reads, with it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brother, these things ought not to be so. Most of us do not spend our time speaking blessings continually or pronouncing curses without end. Our words and lives are spent somewhere in the middle. We may be nice most of the time, yet on occasion, our words will fly out in anger or defensiveness. Further, we do not think of ourselves as uncaged brutes wreaking havoc, hurt, and destruction on others with the words we utter. Poets have long expressed themselves with terms of love and adoration. Great orators stir men and women to courage and confidence. No individual truly wants to cut his loved ones down with his words as with a sharp weapon. However, James makes it clear that we each possess the ability to affect such destruction on each other's lives. In verses 11 through 12, James asks a few questions designed to give us the proper perspective on our human propensity to speak with a forked tongue, meaning deceptively, dupliciously, and untruthfully. He asks, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grape vine bear fig? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. In examining ourselves, the critical question is how much salt can be in the water before it tastes salty? If our words hurt or cut others down, only on occasion, does that make us guilty of all that James describes? How much confidence would we have in the kitchen faucet if we never knew whether we would receive salt water or fresh water from it? Would we fill a glass and just drink it down or would we carefully test taste it each time? In a similar way, in our relationships, we expect that we can trust one another and we expect the waters of our words to be refreshing, pleasant, loving, and positive. When we are hit with salt, meaning words spoken in anger, gossip, merciless criticism, or caustic sarcasm, we may need some kinder attention because a sharp tongue is always a shock and always leaves us with a bad taste in our mouth and, bit and betrayal in our hearts. All of us are capable of all the kinds of all kinds of communications. James speaks of this in his epistle and we have to ask ourselves just as the text does, do I send both fresh and bitter water from my mouth? 
Does my tongue produce both figs and olives? Am I starting forest fires with my words or with my tongue? Am I viciously devouring people with my words like a roaring beast? These are extreme examples that you might think only applies to other people, not to you. However, God sometimes focuses our minds on the things we are guilty of by allowing us to experience the same behaviors as others. For example, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, David did not see himself as he was behaving and affecting others until the prophet Nathan described to him another man's behavior. David was so outraged by the other man's behavior that he, as king, declared the death penalty on him. You can read about that in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 5 through 6. He had, uh, had this been an actual individual, chances are David would have pursued the matter to see the man brought to justice. However, the man he judged as worthy of death was none other than himself. You can read about that in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7. We experience similar lessons when we are brought into the company of people who are offensive to us, people whose behavior hurts us and whose words are sharp enough to cut and wound us. This is because something in the experience teaches us what we need to learn. In such situations, God is allowing us to experience ourselves. How often do opportunities emerge for us to see ourselves in the actions and behaviors of others? Truth be told, we have had many opportunities to witness the effects of deceitful men and women upon trusting and unsuspecting people. We have seen people shift allegiances and loyalties, but deny doing so by their words. We have seen couples speak words of lifelong devotion only to cast one another aside for a new attraction. We have seen friends and family who have expressed the deepest of commitments to one another, both deny those relationships and turn against one another. We have been seeing heart, um, heart, uh, hearts broken by sarcasm and neglect, and we have seen the crushing effects of criticism upon those needing reassurance and encouragement. A sharp tongue is a weapon just as effective as a pointed spear or a sword home to a razor's edge. A sharp tongue has no place among the fruit of the spirit defined in Galatians 5 verses 22 through 23 as love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. A sharp-tongued woman does not express love, spread joy, or promote peace. She shows no patience, kindness, or goodness in her words. She betrays faithfulness and gentleness, and most of all, she demonstrates no measure of self-control. A sharp-tongued woman who calls herself a Christian is a contradiction to the conviction she has expressed nearly all of her life, and sadly, she never saw it until she came face to face with the jabs, slices, and pricks of another sharp tongue and felt the fires they started within her.
Most of us do not escape life without being deeply touched by the sharp tongue of others. But how incredibly sobering it is to see ourselves in these actions of others and come to realize that we are, are guilty of the very thing that may have hurt us so deeply. We too are responsible for spreading the flames of a fire that devours and destroys all in its path. The evil of our tongue is as limitless as the evil James describes in his epistle. One of my favorite passages of scripture is found in Philippians chapter four, verse eight, which says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are, uh, are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This is one of my very favorite passages of scripture. What we think about, meditate on, reveals itself in what we say. A mind fed by godly wisdom can follow this advice and control the wildest of all members, the tongue. As we grow in that great wisdom, our words will become fresh and reliable. We will lose the sharp edge on our tongues. Ladies, when we emerge out of the rut of human habits in our communication, we will begin to express what is true, noble, pure, lovely, and good. Our words will convey virtue and offer praise to God, uplifting those who hear us. James chapter 3 verse 18 says, Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So will the results of our efforts. Righteousness will not come to fruition by the sharp tongue of women or anyone else, but in an atmosphere of peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, we have several ways in which you can do that. First, via the Tithely app at Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. Second, at Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y, you may donate to Broken Vessels hyphen Mended and Whole, or you may mail whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. We are a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization located at P.O. Box 34637 in Los Angeles, California. Please join me next week for another episode of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. In the meantime, take good care and may God continue to bless you and all those you hold near and dear. Amen.